Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. I would say welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, but it is not just another episode. Episode 100. My voice even cracked right there. I'm so excited. 100 episodes, almost two years in. Guys, we're still rocking and rolling. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. We are, and I'm all out of sorts right now. We are a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. 100 episodes in, guys. I am so excited. But I am also joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Man, when we started this adventure, and I think, you know, Mitch was connecting with me on group me in our chat there asking about, you know, hey, me and John, we have this podcast and, you know, super flexology to Dynasty Theory. I would have never said 100 episodes and knowing the great things we've done. So it's been an absolute blast. I've been so stoked for this episode that I'm like willing it into existence the last few days. Like I think in our chat, I'm like, hey, guys, you know, we record here on Tuesday and I'm talking tomorrow as if it's monday and then i did the same thing with mrs lamagna yeah we're getting ready for our podcast tomorrow which is like isn't it tuesday so everybody knows episodes 100 is on tuesday except for me but let's go i'm, I'm excited whenever you said that you were like oh we're recording tomorrow i i had to think about it. i was like did i change it to that because you know half the time i'm taking naps i'm sending messages to you guys while i'm asleep so i don't know what the heck's going on but we were also joined by mitch Sorensen. that's at dino mc on twitter what is going on mitch what is up? It's startup season. We're going to count our wins this episode. It's our hundredth episode. It's pretty amazing. Every, pretty much every day at this point, my wife, well, I'll talk to her about Dynasty Theory or the, the Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash Dynasty Theory or Fantasy Football Confidential, which we do with Linda and Troy. And every time the first thing she says, you're still doing this? It, I think she thought it was just going to be, oh, you know, get it out of your system. It's it's just a, a quick endeavor, no big deal. And then almost two years in, we're still doing it. So tonight we do want to talk about some of the successes that we had in 2020. But again, just like we did last week, it isn't, oh, I hit on this player, move on. All right, so it, it, if you get sick, of hearing about any of our successes, whether it's our 2020 wins, whether it was a player, whether it was a process that we had success with, and we're going to carry that forward in the future. Go back, listen to last week's episode where we keep our egos in check because we have a lot of process improvements that we did talk about. But tonight we're going to put the positive spin on it. First episode of 2021, 2020, that garbage year is in the past episode 100. Here's do at least a hundred more. Maybe a thousand more guys, but Dan, some of your big successes or something that you encountered in this 2020 season, as rough as it was, maybe you, there was something that you could put a positive spin on. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of us that we, you know, we ate the humble pie last week for episode 99. And then, you know, like you said, kicking off positive mojo here into 2021 with uh, our, our successes. And just like we did last week, man, eating the humble pie, I kind of you know, reflected back, broke it into positions a little bit. And, and I'll just, I guess, traditionally start off with the quarterback position. You know, I and this is with a little heartbreak, but I was really pleased on my approach going into the draft with quarterbacks. Obviously, I was a homer at first, 
but with good logic behind it and, and going with Dak and the Cowboys. You know, I believed in their offense, all the weapons around them. I thought they were trending in a good direction. And going into the season, they had a great offensive line. And through five weeks, my dynasty rosters were on cloud nine. Um, but trying to dig a little deeper into that quarter pack position, when I looked at my tier, that tier one where, you know, there's a rare couple leagues. I might have Mahomes or Lamar, but when I don't have them, I went after Dak. But when I couldn't get them, my next guys in my rankings were Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, and Russ Wilson. And they all had pretty darn good years. So in most of my dynasties, I landed with that one really great anchor quarterback for the most part. And I was really pleased with my QB process. Last week, I talked about relying on those mid-tier quarterbacks. And Mitch, we're in two startups right now. Both leagues. <laughs> now, not as my quarterback, too. Let me clarify. Not as my quarterback, too. But I ended up taking Jimmy Garoppolo. And what did people say in both leagues, Mitch? I thought you said you weren't going to do that anymore. Lo and behold, John keeps picking Jimmy Garoppolo. He keeps dropping. I can't help it. But no, Dan, Dan I'll, I'll give you the red flag in a second. But Dan, he, he had such a, it was the, the right approach. And it was a strong approach where he wasn't relying on those quarterback twos, uh, or those mid-tier quarterbacks as his quarterback two. And while it makes, you know, you sit there and think, okay, JB, okay, Dan, yes, you get Patrick Mahomes, he's good. You get Deshaun Watson, he's good. Well, we know that. But a lot of people, they took the approach, okay, I can fade the quarterback position because it's so deep. I don't think it's as deep as we thought it was, especially with what we saw from the top tier guys. Dan, do you still want to use that challenge flag or do you want to save it at this point? I, I was just you know throwing it out there because you went back to Garoppolo, which if you go back to episode 99, you will hear our misses and our Garoppolo take. So I just wanted to keep it positive for episode 100 there, man, and uh, just say, hey, and our process was good, but we did share an episode 99 where we went wrong and where we could have done better. So hopefully our listeners will go back, man. But uh, yeah, overall, quarterback position was pretty good. Mitch, whether it's quarterbacks, whether it's something else that you look back and you're like, wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a muscle, giving myself a pat on the back here. It's elite tight ends. I said on this podcast, every single guest podcast that I had the opportunity to go on, every single one, I said, I want Kelsey, I want Kittle, or I want Andrews. And luckily for me, I didn't end up getting a lot of Andrews because someone else always just ended up getting him ahead of me, and I ended up with Waller instead. So that worked out extremely well. I have many. Um, tight end premium leagues to where I have two of the top three guys and moving forward, that's how I'm going to stay. I mean, if you look at all of the winning redraft dynasty, whatever leagues you're in, if you had Kelsey, you were at least in the semifinals and I actually had a league I was trying to lose with, but as based off potential points, Travis Kelsey made it. So I got the one Oh four instead of the 101, pretty much solely because of Travis Kelsey. So I know a lot of people were like, hey, you can wait. You could always find a tight end. But that's when you end up drafting Hayden Hurst. You go with Austin Hooper. You go with names like that, and lo and behold, when they don't pan out, then you have nothing. Then you're searching the waiver wire and hoping to get a Tanya and a Logan Thomas. So if you have Kelsey, you play Kelsey every single week, and you don't have to worry about it. And we take part in a lot of the tight end premium leagues. And whether mm -hmm. it's 1.5 PPR, two tight ends where you have to start two, or it was two PPR, like the safe leagues, if you had Travis Kelsey, and I put out a tweet where I was looking at my semifinal roster makeups and my championship team roster makeups, there was a common theme. Darren Waller 
and or Travis Kelsey. And just like you were big on, you stacked Kittle, and that didn't pan out because of the injury. Right. But you stacked Kittle and Kelsey in a lot of leagues. And one guy that I was really high on, if you go back to the offseason, Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. I was not, I'm not one of those people. I wasn't in on the ground floor. I didn't see that breakout coming. I actually was a big Foster Moreau guy after or coming into his rookie season. I thought he was going to have a great opportunity. But Darren Waller really came out of nowhere and took over that Jared Cook role where he was getting peppered with targets. So I wasn't in at the cheapest point, but throughout this offseason, he was still going tight end five, six, seven, eight. But people weren't willing to pay that price. I paid that price, and I felt really good about it. Mitch, you had a really interesting tweet that I liked, and it said something along the lines of, I have a few teams that have these top-tier tight ends. I would love to get one next year that's like a Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, all three on one team. And I love the responses that were coming in. Hey, uh, I had Kittle, Kelsey, and Hawkinson or something like that. And I I had this – uh, roster construction with my tight ends and I ended up making the semifinal. So that was really cool to see people's responses to your tweet that you put out. Yeah. I think if you have three of them like that, it was impossible to lose this year. Like you had to have such a horrible roster otherwise that the tight ends just made up for it. And so it automatically put you in the playoffs. So I think just for fun, not sure what league, cause I think a lot of leagues, people are going to be like, no, I'm not going to trade you him. But if I could get it just on one league, I don't care what the cost is. It's going to be a lot of fun just to walk into the season and be like, all right, that's my three guys. Let's see how it goes. Dan, Mitch is going to go into a season. His number one running back is going to be Benny Snell. He's going to have no <laughs> no draft picks for the next three years. And I'll still he, make playoffs. <laughs> but he's going to have Kelsey Waller and Kittle. He's a man on a mission there, man. You know, I saw the tight end and the, the notes there that Mitch, you know, put with heavy on elite tight end. And uh, I, I can't lie, man. I had a little tight end envy, you know, of, of Mitchell this year. He, he definitely hit that right. And. You know, the leagues that I was heavy on tight end myself, I, I share that success that Mitch talked about. The leagues that I wasn't, other than some early Janu Smith success, like I was like, okay, I'm all right, man. I'm, I'm high on the Janu train. And then somewhere along the line, the Janu train like fell off the rails. <laughs> and, and then I went back to the tight end envy, uh, envy of Mitchell there. Uh, he did a nice job with that. Every year, every year that I've been involved in the Dynasty community, this is the year the tight end uh, mm-hmm. uh, renaissance is going to take place. It never does. There is such a big tear break. Whereas running back, we say, you know, whoever, whatever names you want to put to it. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey and then Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. You know, they're right in the next tier for tight ends. It's Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson fan, and then drop. Yeah. You know, and again, you can put any names in there. You could throw an Evan Ingram. But what we're finding, and this kind of goes with the process that we're looking to carry forward mitch you said you want to have a league where you you might have two or three high tier tight ends it's going to be very difficult so what we've seen from early startups early mocks early off-season results those high profile tight ends they're all going very early and it's becoming very difficult to stack a few of them we saw darren waller go in the second round of a 14 team superflex startup not a mock a startup. So when you're seeing Kittle, Kelsey Waller go in the first two rounds, and then what we're seeing too, that big gap in between the top tier and where everybody else is going, but we're seeing it again this year. It's almost impossible to trade back. So if you can't trade back, good luck stacking those guys. 
<laughs> no, but you could trade up and stack them. That's the chance. Like if you have what I'm actually going to try to do in startups here is if I have a late first, like I get that late first startups, let's say I have the one 108 and I get a chance to get Kelsey at that point. Cause I think Kelsey is going to be the first one off the board. I'm going to try to trade up and get Kittle or whether it's Kittle, Kelsey, however it goes. If I'm lucky enough to be able to get Kittle or Kelsey with my first pick, I'm going to try to trade up to get the other one in the same round. I was going to say, I think it's still going to be Kittle. And that's kind of, that's kind of what we've seen, even though the, the injury maybe was going to turn some people off, but you said this Mitch, when he got injured during the season, you said his startup value is not going to take a hit. It didn't take a hit. Now, Dan, let me ask you, because you have not, and it's kind of going in line, transitioning with what Mitch was talking about, the tight ends, but then he brought up, I brought up trading back. He brought up trading up a lot of people, including myself, you know, in startups previously, we were trading back, trading back, trading back. That's almost impossible at this point because everybody is looking to acquire that depth. What are your thoughts? Let's say you have a pick like a 108. I, I said in our in our Patreon Discord, I said that I would be willing to move that pick for like a third and fourth, which is much lower than what we've seen in the past because of how much depth there is. And there's people that are still saying they can't get a deal like that done. Surprised because normally, you know, you that that 108 is pretty attractive, um, and, and people are willing to pay. Uh, but you know, and I, I, I'm shifting a lot, and I was very aggressive trading up in past drafts, the kind of the opposite of you guys. And I did that a little bit partially being a homer and believing that my, my homer was going to pay off with Dallas, you know. So I went after the Dak Cooper combinations and that, but I'm off that kick now, and I have a little, you know, a lot of my most successful rosters had more depth. And a lot of my rosters that aren't successful, I don't have the depth to trade out of it. So I would like that third and fourth round pick. I'm a little bit more enticed. Again, there's different variables, different types of league sizes and and, and things that we look at. But give me the extra picks, JB. And that's where everybody's mindset is. And not that there's anything right or wrong about it, but I loved whenever Dan and I were in a startup together because I was like, that's the guy that is going to move up. And then eventually, after we got more leagues with each other, I think Dan was kind of like, screw you. I'm, I, I don't think we're getting a trade done here. And I'm like, come on, Dan, come on. Um, it, it, part, part of the strategy there, JB, is that win now mode. And the, now a lot of my trade up, too, I would give future draft capital more than I would give up extra picks because I never right. really wanted to give up to, too many extra picks. So I give up the draft capital thinking, hey, that first round pick is going to be a late first. And, you know, I'm going to get an extra guy to compete right now. So, you know, mixed results out of it, but I'm more leaning extra draft picks. And that's every single year I kind of throw in a different process or wrinkle. So if you drafted with me in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, it's going to be slightly different. And then ultimately the goal is still to win those championships. Before we get to Dan's next process, quick question from Brett in the chat. Mitch, really quick, what are your thoughts on Robert Tunyon from a, sorry, Tunyon? from a dynasty perspective to me, I'm not going to be able to draft him on any startup and I'm probably not going to be able to trade for him. To me, he falls in the same situation. I already brought up Hooper. I brought it Hurst. He's that same guy. He's Trey Burton from two years ago. He's going to be the tight end that everybody's talking about. That's in a good opportunity that I think he's just another tight end. He's not giving me the weekly upside that the other guys are going to give me. Is he this year's and maybe we can avoid it. Is he going to be this year's Tyler Higby? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, um, for me, I, I have Robert Tanyan right around that that tight end 12 range. But again, 
that very small shifts in value between eight, nine, 10, 15, you know, but for me, it's the contract. If he gets extended in green Bay, I like that opportunity. He had, I saw a tweet. I forget who threw it out. And I, I always hate this because I wish I could give credit where it's due, but it was like Robert Tunyon had this many targets, which was like 50 something. Evan Ingram had like a hundred targets. Robert Tunyon outscored Evan Ingram on almost half the targets. And that's absolutely incredible to think about. All right, Dan. Hey, Next, uh, oh, go ahead. One, one last thought on just the tight ends is, is we talk about these elite guys and we mentioned the big three. I think Mark Andrews is the only other guy I would be comfortable with, like still confident, you know, cause I think he's, he's close to them, but everyone else is a tight end. Like, I think those guys are wide receivers and tight, you know, tight end positions. And I think that's really the difference. Cause I look back to last year's rankings and I highlighted so many potential guys that I liked and loved and none of them panned out. Like none of them are in that league. And I think Tanyan falls into that category of guys that I'm going to highlight and say, Hey, I like him next year but he has no chance of reaching that level. So I think when you draft a Tanyan, you're hoping for that upside guy for a bye week in case of an injury, um, in case you just can't obtain those big three. Then you're drafting like three tight ends that hope that one of them pan out, if that makes sense. Uh, really, really quick, Mitch. Should I be typing on YouTube as well? Yeah, if you type it on Periscope, no one sees it. Oh, if, they're man. On, if they're on the YouTube side, they don't see anything from Periscope. I'm like a 90 year old. I'm responding. So I, if, if anybody up. said anything in the chat, I have been responding to every single one. And Mitch sends in the private chat. I don't know if they can see you. So I, I did respond. There are, I did respond. Um, re, let's not spend too much time on tight ends, but Mitch, mm-hmm. would you make that trade to drink wants to know yes. if, if you took Kittle or Kelsey at one Oh seven, would you, would you move your third and fourth to get my 108? I would. If it's a tight end premium with a good premium on it, yes, I would. Okay. All right. Uh, Colton asked a question. Uh, we'll get to that later again. I don't want to spend too much time on tight ends. And now I'm all bothered. I don't want people to be like, oh, JB, you ass. You're not responding to us. I apologize. I do. All right, Dan. Uh, another 2020 win. What else do you really feel like you 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 got right in 2020? So I'm going to go with the running back position here. And I had four guys that I was proud of, you know, drafting more shares of them. You know, I hit my target guys. I get as many shares as I can. And I'm going to start with only mention three of them. You, you already teased one last week on the show, but I'm going to save that for a little bit of rookie strategy because I know we're bouncing around here a little bit. So I'll touch on these running backs, JB. And then when you want to get into rookies, I'll let you t- take us there. But three guys I targeted, two on the higher level, upper echelon, that I took before certain guys and I, I'm pretty confident how it panned out or I traded to get them because their stock, I don't know, they just, they were disrespected and that's King Henry. Oh, almighty King who I've been hyping up mm-hmm. for seasons here. Nick Chubb, who I think is like the mini King Henry. And then if I want to just kind of dumpster dive a little bit, man, I kind of liking those Damian Harris shares a little bit there. You know, he had the starter job. I know New England's a, a train wreck, so I don't think I'm all excited, you know, praising the mountaintops of Damian Harris. But it's dynasty, guys. We take those younger guys that we stash on our benches. And, you know, he started certain weeks. And, hey, if he scored 10 to 12 points as my lower player and still has some future dynasty upside, I'm very happy with that pick. But the biggest success, man, that I'm pumped about is King Henry because I had the opportunity to trade even my boy Zeke Elliott. Mitchell knows uh, trade Nick Ch- uh, trade not um 
J- Josh Jacobs I traded in one league, Joe Mixon in another league. We said we know how Mixon panned out and just got myself a lot of King Henry shares. The only depressing thing was I think he had that quiet game two weeks ago when it was championship week and then uh, week 17. I just get 205 yards. So that was a little bit of a tease. But on the season, he was a big contributor. Isn't that how it always works out? I feel like it is. I, I think it was 2018 and there was a, was it 2018 or 19? That's irrelevant to the story, but in one of my home redraft leagues, so nothing crazy. The playoffs are two weeks for the semifinals, two weeks for the finals. And I had no business winning this league. The guy that was in first place, undefeated regular season, both weeks in the finals, his players just for some reason, did not show up, but I, 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 it, it seems to happen more often than it should. But I like that you brought up Derrick Henry, Dan, because one of my notes is, and it's really difficult at the beginning of the season. We know this. We were very bad as a fantasy community at looking at a player's schedule preseason and saying, oh, that's a really easy schedule. That's a really difficult schedule against the pass or whatever the situation is. Whereas when the season progresses, we have a better idea, right? So towards the middle of the season, I looked at player schedules going forward. And one player that I actively looked to make moves for at a reasonable price was David Johnson. And he came up big down the stretch. Yeah. He wasn't a top six running back by any means, but he put up some numbers whenever he was healthy. Uh, David Montgomery, even though I was, I was higher on him coming into the season, Again, looking at his schedule, looking at Derrick Henry's schedule, uh, you know, so I I think looking ahead, that can help you. But then also in startups, taking discounts on players that might be undesirable to people, but they're getting that expected volume. Again, it ties into David Montgomery, David Johnson, mm-hmm. one player that it didn't pan out, but it didn't kill me, Le'Veon Bell. I uh, The assumption was he was going to be in New York. He was g- going to get the workload. Was it going to be sexy? No, but he was going to get a thousand touches, you know, this season. So uh, that was, that was, I don't want to get too negative, Dan. I don't want to get yelled at here, but I chase volume for my running backs. And if I can get a discount because they're not a sexy name, by all means, let me acquire them. Mitch, do you have any thoughts there? I felt like you were going to say something you weren't. I've been thinking about like Todd Gurley, right? Todd Gurley kind of fits it, but he doesn't because unlike David Johnson, who came on during the playoffs for fantasy, Todd Gurley for the first eight weeks of the season, I think he had eight or nine touchdowns. And so while we're killing him now, because, you know, he faded towards the end, but was good early, you know, now his price is gone. Everyone's saying like, he's going to be out of the league to where David Johnson, we're like, no, he did really well the last three weeks of the season. So we're going to be kind of okay with him moving forward. I do think it's kind of funny how we do it, but I think all those guys are kind of where you were getting them was okay. And it wasn't going to kill you. Yeah, could you imagine if Todd Gurley had a really good last three weeks? Yeah. The the narrative would be completely different. Mm-hmm. But because he was top 12 to start the season, he was bolstered by touchdowns. Oh, he had a terrible season. He was he was productive and uh, not a, certainly not efficient, but he was productive <laughs> for where we got him early right. in startups. So that was something that I I was looking at that I I like how it panned out. Of course, David Montgomery that solved a lot of problems because of the season he had, but then also the strength of schedule, Mitch 2020 win. What else do you have? Depth. 
I mean, ever since the COVID stuff came out, I've talked about depth on dynasty teams. We all have having depth made it so you didn't cripple yourself. It didn't mean you made the playoffs. It didn't mean that you made the championship game. What it mean is you had a chance because we've seen so many teams go in. They had two quarterbacks. They're like, I'll be fine. I have two quarterbacks, not a problem. And then one gets out, one's injured, and then their team is toast because they don't have anybody else to, to back them up. And so I think that was really good. And during leagues, like everyone wanted to be bailed out for it. They're like, oh, we need replacement players. No, we need to. We had some major websites open up waivers again because of COVID. They're like changing rules on the fly. And it was like, no, either you plan for this or you didn't and you shouldn't be safe for it. And so I'm really happy with the amount of depth that I had. Like I said, it didn't mean that like those teams that I had a lot of depth that I won. It just means I had a chance to win at that point. This kind of ties into the depth. And Dan, I'll turn it over to you because you kind of talked about this earlier already. But something that really helped me out was whether it was a piece in a trade or a player at the very end of a startup draft. Not very end for some of these guys, but it's those boring, unsexy slot receivers. And Mitch, you're on this train too. But I was looking at my most rostered wide receivers, the top three, Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, and Tyler Boyd. Obviously varying prices there, right? But Cole Beasley, he really got me out of a jam many times this season. And to have 40% roster ship of him, it felt good. So if you're there, there were weeks I was like, uh, oh, do I play a Mike Evans or a Cole Beasley this week? Oftentimes, yes, it was Cole Beasley. Oftentimes the answer was Mr. Cole Beasley. And Mike Evans, just a, a name I pulled out of the hat because I know he had he had the struggles midseason. But yeah, those depth players. Those veterans that nobody wants. And I think even a player like Cole Beasley, he could do it again. Maybe not to that extent, but he could bail people out in 2021. Dan, depth. Side note before the depth there, our boy Ben in the chat there, he's like the fashion police tonight. Mitch, you should not have worn a hat tonight, man, because you're, you're, you're like the prettiest of the pretty boys with the wife being you know in the hair business there. Uh, but so we appreciate you, Ben. I, I can't comment on the chat because I'm like technology challenged over here. But you know when we touch on depth, it's like one of those things that between the three of us, you know, we have 20, 40 or 75 dynasty rosters. Right? I mean, we're, we, we all have a, a lot. So we have a variance of depth and skill rosters and those dominant teams had a ton of depth and it was just awesome because they really dominated those teams that were kind in the middle. You know, we, maybe we had those injuries like Dak or whoever that depth carried us through to stay competitive despite the injuries. And there were a lot this year or COVID suspensions. And then I even had like, you know, a couple of rosters that maybe weren't, you know, my pride and joy, but being that I had a little bit of depth, I was still able to compete because I was able to a make trades, B be able to start some guys that, you know, I got, I was able to hang in there. So that depth, man, we talked about it early in the season. It, it was like gold. And uh, two drink says that Cole Beasley's price is going to go up to do the playoffs. And I had it typed out, but I'll just say it right here. It actually did. In, in a startup, he went, and this it sounds weird, but in a startup, he just went in the 17th round. And you're like, okay, 17th. He was going in the last round before. Yep. So his value, whoo, Cole Beasley is taking off. Uh, Dan, obviously following up on the depth there, but what's another win, whether it's a player, whether it's a process that you thought really panned out? 
So here's like a fun one-two punch here, man. And, and I take a lot of pride in this one because like, like a, you know what, I traded a lot of draft capital, which helped and hurt in a lot of ways. But I went in with a strategy. I says, okay, I have limited draft capital last year. I got to really diamond dig there and, and, and find some gems. And a running back and receiver that paid dividends was Antonio Gibson and LaVisca Chenault. You talk about slot receivers. You talk about, you know, having that running back depth. You know, I was able to trade what little capital I have, move into the second round. You know, early on, some of them you can get beginning of third, depending on when we drafted, and uh, had a ton of shares of those two guys. And they either helped boost my rosters or give me a guy to look forward to for next year, or it was a nice trade piece for me. Uh, so I was really thrilled that both of those positions to find some talent, not having a lot of draft capital. So to our listeners that maybe did trade their you know, first, we're doing a, I know a, a league preview after this tonight. And I was looking at some of the rosters that had more or less draft capital. If you only have a little, you're not out of it yet. You know, get creative, try to find some ways to trade up and find those Antonio Gibsons and LaVisca Chenaults because there'll be guys out there like that this season. Speaking of draft capital, and we talked about Antonio Gibson last week. And I said, Dan, you're not allowed to talk about Antonio Gibson on the process improvement piece because you, you were spot on there. And we talked about those profiles and the athletic wide receivers, while they may have not had a heavy usage in the running game in college, if they check other boxes, they have a chance at success in the NFL. And that's what we've seen from Antonio Gibson. But you talk about limited draft capital. Let's say you move those first and second round picks. Something that really helped me out, and it was mostly on contenders, and you'll see why in a second, but it was keeping those third and fourth round picks throughout the season because it allowed me to acquire players like J.D. McKissick, maybe an Andy Dalton, maybe a second in Superflex leagues there. But players that if somebody out of contention had them, they were looking to move them, but they're looking to move them for draft picks. In leagues that I didn't have a third or a couple fourths or whatever it is, I, didn't, I wasn't able to get J.D. McKissick. I wasn't able to get Wayne Gallman because the players I had, it didn't intrigue the person that had uh, J.D. McKissick because it wasn't a piece that could help them rebuild or get excited to the future. Whereas that third, it's that it's that prize box. You know, it's like you can have twenty dollars or what's in the box. Well, it could be twenty dollars, but it could be it could be a hundred dollars. We don't know what it's going to be. But that was something that I think it's it's a process that I'm keeping in place because if you look at trades, especially I've I've done it myself. Oh, can you add a third into this trade? Oh, it's a third. Yeah, no big deal. But that third was critical for my success as the season went on. Mitch, a process. And it's always tough for episodes like this because as you see in the bottom of the screen, if you're watching on YouTube or Periscope, which people did, Periscope, right? But we had 2020 wins, successful processes. It's always tough whenever the, the uh, categories blur the lines between them. I'm like, when do I transition the little graphic here so we transition it's successful processes what do you got uh mitch is coughing over there my bad my bad come on come on we've been talking about draft picks and i want to bring this up so i was big on moving my 21 first like i was big on saying hey this is the year to where i think you can move your 21 first and it could actually end up paying off in championships in the end so i went back and looked at my seven championships i moved my first in all of them but one and now I go back and look at all of my teams. I still have my first in 72% of my teams. Almost every single league that I moved my first in, I either made the semis or I made the championship game. Um, there's a there's one or two leagues where 
you know, I traded my first and then my team ended up being awful. So I had to go in there and trade back for my first, you know, that happened, happens. But as far as I think, I just need to be more willing to move my first when I need to, to make that push. Cause in years past, I wouldn't do it. I was like, no, we're halfway through the year. My team's mediocre. I'm not going to make that push. And what that does, that gives me no chance to playoffs. In the championship game, I think I was only favored to win one or two of them. And I end up winning all but one. You know, so the luck of the draw happened to where I won those. You know, the fantasy gods looked down on me, but I wouldn't have been there without making those trades. So I think just having that ammunition during the season to be able to move up and make that push, that's something I want to do moving forward. And how often do we see during the season where there's a player where we start to see that discount? Whether it might have nothing to do with the player, but the manager that has that player, oh, I need draft capital. I'm out of it. I don't want to keep this veteran, even though that veteran could help you moving forward. So now you're first. It has gained tremendous value for the, the sole reason that the current manager that has said player is now offering tremendous discounts from whatever they thought they had a chance. So I think that's that's a really good process to keep in place moving forward. Don't be afraid to move that first, but be opportunistic about it. Don't just move it all willy-nilly because we've been there. I've been there. Oh, I want to I want to get depth. It's week two. Let me let me move my first. And then whenever I'm out of the playoffs, I'm like, crap. I wish I still had that first. So yeah. I wanted to sorry, just real quick. It's a quick change. But Owen brought up in the chat. You brought it up earlier when I was talking about um, I saw a lot of takes. This is what he said. I saw a lot of takes last preseason that due to COVID restrictions, rookies weren't expecting to start the season well, and it made sense. Um, we had Mike Clay on, and Mike Clay actually said the opposite. He was saying, hey, these rookies might not start off, but guess what? The defenses don't have any time to like come together either. And if you look at the amount of points that QBs put up this year, it's so much higher than what the average is that I think it was the year the defense couldn't catch up to the offense. I completely agree with that. And when we did our projections, we had our, our baselines and our thresholds for the P, uh, you know, fantasy points that these players were going to put up our expectations. And we came in much lower all around. Let me ask you, do you think that comes back down a little bit next year? Because we're going to be, getting into our projections pretty much beginning of February here for our preliminary projections. Oh yeah. I think Dan will be a little bit more on top of the coach side of this, but I would have to assume the defense is going to catch up a little bit more next year. Yeah. I love my Mike Clay's comment when he came on and said that. And, and I think it did materialize, especially in the passing game. You know, the secondaries weren't cohesive. There was blown coverages and look at the years that the wide receivers had in the NFL for rookies. But then the one observation I would make where maybe it did impact rookies was the running backs because it took a lot longer for Jonathan Taylor to be Jonathan Taylor and uh, CEH and, and Dobbins. And, and those guys flashed a little bit more, I think, the second half of the season than they did the first. You know, Cam Akers started to finally come around. Uh, the rookie running back started to bring that excitement that we had on draft day that took a while to warm up. Uh, really quick from Adam Schefter. The Houston Texans have officially hired former Patriots exec Nick. Is it pronounced Cesario? I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, as the general manager. So uh, they, they they have a general manager. It, it's Bill O'Brien. It, it's actually I mean, it's Bill O'Brien with a fake mustache and a wig. I mean, that's one of the ones where I look at the ownership and I'm like, you had Bill O'Brien. 
you've tried this Patriots way before, and now you're going right back to the Patriots way again. Not so fast. The only thing I will say, I think it's it's critical, and you're seeing it. It's not coach and GM, but John Elway out in Denver giving up and relinquishing some of his responsibility, and he's going to bring a GM in. I think that divide and separation between coach and GM is critical. And while he's not a coach, I hope Jerry Jones. It's never going to happen, but I would love to see him bring a GM in that can completely separate ownership in GM, but I don't want to get into that. That Dan could go off on a rant for a couple days on that one. No, I, I think I think Mitch, the verdict's not out yet. Let's see who he hires as head coach. I think that's really going to be the key. I think you get a, a really good head coach, and he's on the same page with the GM as opposed to Bill O'Brien. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up here. Okay, I mean, we we heard JJ Watt on Twitter today say, you know, how Deshaun Watson had a season wasted, man, and because he had an incredible season, and, and an elite quarterback with a year like that should not have, be on a team that only wins a handful of games. That, that's just. A bloody shame, man. Um, but, uh, you know, you talk about the Cowboys in the NFC East, that that division used to be dominant. And then all of a sudden, these big business owners came in and those good head coaches were gone and the whole division's tanked. So Houston has a chance to get this right with an elite quarterback and, and do things the right way. We'll see how it pans out. But that'll be more for, for another episode. So. Despite last week, if you watched last week's episode and you heard about our process improvements that we were looking to implement moving forward, you would think, wow, JB has a lot of process improvements. But there were some things, I threw them out periodically throughout tonight's episode, but there's a few things that are not specific to a player or necessarily a strategy, but they helped me tremendously throughout the season. Now, whether you're in three dynasty leagues, 10, 50, whatever, utilizing different tools that are available, and there are a ton of great free resources. You know, uh, we, we talk about dynastyplanet.com. That helped me. I was on there every Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I, I was. I, it shows you your rosters, your your roster, uh, your roster ship of every player. If they're injured, if you still have them in your starting lineup, and how many times did we see lead chats? Oh, I can't believe I left so and so in my lineup. I forgot he was out, or I didn't get the notification, or whatever. So using things to, at your disposal and help you. And allows you to streamline processes, which I just think further leads to success, whether it's in dynasty fantasy football or anything else in life. Let's try to make things a little bit easier on us whenever we have so much going on. And then another thing for me, just being more aware of my league settings compared to the competition. Other managers in the league, they don't know how draft order is decided. They don't know how rookie picks are decided. They don't know. We had people... Uh, after the draft, I didn't know this was tight end premium. And it was a dead, dead serious comment. They didn't realize it was two PPR. So just being aware, I think that helps you tremendously. And Mitch, you always, you preach that. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. If you don't know your settings, how are you going to draft? It's a really simple thing to do. That should be like everyone's first rule when they join a startup is like, hey, let's read the settings. And one thing the safe leagues we're in a lot of the safe leagues we're in a lot of the dlf championship series safe leagues you have to start three wide receivers i jumped in our dynasty theory listener league whenever the uh the dlf champ series kicked off i said hey guys i i don't know if you went through the settings you only had to start two receivers in this and several people whoop didn't notice that and that is that's critical to 
drafting success there. So uh, just a few things that I, I'm going to continue to do. Very simple. You don't have to be a genius. If I can do it, anybody else can do it. Trust me. All right, Dan, another process that you, you, you implemented it here in 2020. You're going to keep it rolling in 2021. Yeah, I think the important piece you're making here, John, is like you have to have a process. It doesn't matter what it is, but like if you don't know the scoring system and you're just hopping on your cell phone, drafting uh, based off like some bad ADP information and don't know when the value of players are, you're setting yourself up for success. And we have leagues where we do see league owners make mistakes because they don't have a process and, and they're not learning. Uh, so I, I think that's a key to have a process, number one, whatever it is. You know, I, I learned things from from – you guys, the teams in our Patreon, you know, different strategies and we're all grinding hard in different ways and we've had success because of it. So I think you have to have a process um, for me that works, worked last year, works every year. It's really just grinding for information. You know, part of that is having tools, like you said, John, tools, not tools. I don't know how you say that word still. I love when you say it. But, you know, I do have a variety of tools where I'm grinding for information I'm listening to as many quality podcasts as I can in all my free time, the ride to work, when I'm in the shower, when I'm cutting two acres of grass, I'm consuming that information to get an edge any way I can. And then when I get that edge, that's why you know, I'm trying to make trades off it. Or if it's draft time, that's affecting my drafts. For last year, you know, I think it might have been one of just Schefter's podcasts. I happen to listen to it right off the presses. Talking to Stefan Diggs, trainer, talking about what incredible shape this guy is, the different system, how it's going to impact him. Expect Stefan Diggs to have a big year. I mean, he lost a little luster those last couple of years in Minnesota. And he was a guy that at one time we were talking about him in that elite echelon of wide receivers. So I hopped on him. I made a bunch of Diggs trades this year. And I love those Stefan Diggs shares on my rosters. He had a wonderful year in Buffalo. So grind for information and use it to your advantage. One last thing. It's very quick and very easy if you're on Twitter. There's certain people where I have the notifications turned on. Adam Schefter, Tom Pelissero, you know, so many other people. Uh, Mitch, I know you you had a list, I think, at one point that you're like, these are the five uh, resources that I have set for notifications. And whenever something happens, breaking news, whether it's an injury, whatever, I'm ready for Sunday. Yeah, so actually I have that one set up first. So I only have like... Guys, you mentioned uh, Jake Lasers in there, Ian Rappaport, and that's my feed. And then I have my other feed that has all, I think I follow like a thousand people at this point. It has all of their comments in there. But my first feed, I just ha- call it like my NFL list. And that's all that it is. It's my NFL news, cuts it down. I can look at it really quick. And within 10 minutes, I can know everything that happened in the last five hours. And when you do that, you're not... Uh, susceptible yes. to those fake Twitter accounts. Did you see ESPN? That was funny. Yep. Reported they, it. They cited a fake, was it Schefter? Mm-hmm. A fake Schefter account. Come on. <laughs> if ESPN can follow, fall for it, anyone can. So, uh... I know. I know. <laughs> Mitch, do you have any other processes here? For... I have a last one that I'll hit pretty quick, and it's really it's simple. It's a short show. And it it might be. We might actually finish it. Probably not, but maybe. But the one thing I wanted to bring up was it's really stupid, but don't burn bridges. So in the 2019 startups, um, you know, you doing your slow drafts, someone would come on the group me or the slack or whatever. They'd be on the clock and they'd be like, hey, 
I'm busy right now. You know, I'm out mowing the lawn. I'm doing this. And they would write like two paragraphs. They'll be like, hey, I can't pick. I can't make a draft right now. But I can write these two paragraphs. And then I'll see you guys in three hours. And like two minutes before the clock would expire, they'd come in and pick and be like, oh, sorry about that. I got carried away. And I would always be the guy who's like, really? You didn't get carried away. But now I don't say a word. I'm just like, you take however long you want because I know someone else in the chat is going to say something. So now I just sit back, eat the popcorn because it does ruin relationships. It really does. I mean, there's some people in my drafts from 2019 who like will not talk to me at this point because we had a little bit, little bit of an argument over that. And so this last year, I fixed it. I don't think there's anybody from my leagues from this last season that I don't talk to, but yeah, well, John, of course. But yeah, there's some from a couple years ago to where, yeah, we really don't like each other. And that eliminates, you know, yeah, being being kind to people. And that's something that I actually, I've been very aware of. And I, I, I've, I can get snippy. I always say it's because I'm Italian. And it's, it's a curse at times. It, it's beautiful to see how much you guys have grown in 100 episodes. Like, it, it is wonderful. <laughs> Packy says we all hate you, Mitch. Shaking my head. Thanks, Packy. Packy and I always see eye to eye. I like that. But but if you do burn that bridge in a twelve team league, you only have eleven potential trade partners. Now you irritated one person. Yep. Uh, you know, another person gets irritated. They leave the chat. They're completely incommunicado with everybody. Now you're down to nine trade partners. You're hurting yourself by doing that. And on a side note, I, I see Ben's chat there about uh, Chase Young. You know, but Ben, I'm sorry, buddy. He might get to Tom Brady once or twice, but that that Bucks offense is going to be field, on the field all day with all those Washington three and outs. So th- this Bucks team's hot. We'll 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 see how that goes. I'm excited. I I can. This last Sunday, I didn't watch. I watched the Steeler game. That was it. I was in there working on the prospect database. No joke, I think I put 20 hours in, in a four-day stretch, but I, I like where it is now. But it was so nice Sunday, not setting lineups, not checking scores. I, I was in our chat. I would see Dan get fired up because DFS. And, oh, I love to egg Dan on. I love it. He That that drop, I didn't think it was a drop, but I had to keep poking. And I think it was, it was Roy in the chat. He was like, JB, let Dan have his moment. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, no, this just sounds like a bitter DFS player. Whenever Marvin Jones, that catch got taken away, but I love it. Yeah, I, I need to grieve in the in the chats at, at those moments there, man. That that uh that stack of Minnesota and Detroit was wonderful. Kirk Cousins was like God last week, and every all my guys were scoring. And you know, how DFS goes. It shows like you're you're like a millionaire for like an hour or two, and then 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 Marvin Jones doesn't get that catch, and it, it was all downhill from there. But ah, that was a catch. Yeah, but I love I love getting your goat, especially. You know, it's all out of love. It's all out of love and my entertainment mostly. But one last thing that I do want to say, trust your evaluations, projections. One thing that I was really happy with, there's a lot of things we talked about process improvements last week, but with our projections that Mitch and I are going to be working on very shortly here for preliminary projections, starting at the league level, team level, breaking it down to position groups and then individual players. But I thought we did a pretty good job with the wide receivers. You know, obviously the high end tight ends, everybody and their grandmother could hit on those players. But running backs, I think there's a lot of improvements to be made there. Quarterbacks, I didn't hate it where we ended up, but wide receivers, 
I don't know if there were that many people that in their projections, in their rankings, whenever they put everything in, it spits out. We had Ridley, Allen Robinson, and Thielen all top 10 coming into the season. All three of them finished top 10. And those are players that I have plenty of shares of. So I think just trusting your evaluations and projections. So many times there were people, whether it's in the Patreon, whether it's in the, the live chat here on Twitter, group me, whatever. People come in and they'll ask a question just to get people's opinions. But ultimately, you have to trust your gut. You have to trust your evaluation, especially if you're putting in the time that we are and, and you're scouring for information and you think, OK, this is where I am on a player. Oh, but now these people talk me out of it and then they turn out to be a stud. I, just, just trust your, your process. And as we tweak it and improve it, I, I think we're all going to see a lot of success. Um, you know, that, if I could add to that, John, I, I think that's a great one because, you know, I mean, we were here on the show and I, I give you props for the Allen Robinson take and, and the guy's a stud. And, and I, I could remember us going back and forth on Allen Robinson. I think you were like beat red at that point because I fired you up so much. And, uh, you know, my, my dysfunction hate of that Bears quarterback situation was accurate, but Robinson still produced in, in top 10 numbers. So you didn't let me talk you out of it. You, you had conviction, as I always say. I, I love that you had that and it paid off. And similarly, a guy that I loved was Will Fuller. And he was one where he was just in the perfect situation with Hopkins gone. And I knew he was going to be Watson's number one. And when you're the number one wide receiver for an elite quarterback, it was just a bet on health. And he was able to stay healthy up to that suspension at the end, which I'm still fired up because I did have a lot of Will Fuller shares that helped me tremendously this year. And then unfortunately didn't have him in those key playoff games, but his scoring was off the charts. So Dan, you just brought up, that just reminded me, I actually meant to bring this up last week. But I'm going to bring it up tonight because I think it still kind of works. So, did you were you guys kind of shocked at how when the wide receiver one went out for an offense, that offense just died? Like, if you look at Stafford, his four first four weeks without Galladay were horrible. Um, Matt Ryan without Julio, horrible. Minshew without Shark, horrible. Like, as soon as that number one wide receiver went out, those teams just stopped to where I would have thought about that with running backs before I would have thought about that when the backup quarterback comes in, I've never seen it like this before to where the number one wide receiver is out. And then like that whole offense is just nothing. Not that the offense and, and Dan can fill in with the coaching perspective here, but not that the entire offense stalled, but you kind of brought this up last year. I think where we talked about the highest tier quarterbacks and they all had an elite receiver. And, you know, at that time it was Deshaun Watson with DeAndre Hopkins. We talked about Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. But we had all these high-end quarterbacks that had that top-tier receiver or they had rushing upside, right? But, yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Gardner Minshew with or without DJ Shark. I was going to make that joke when you were talking. Right, right, right. Yeah, It's a real good point and an interesting one, but I think the common denominator is with those teams is they are weaker teams with no running games to take the pressure off. So then you lose that number one receiver. The defenses are smart. They're taking away your next best threat, and it takes a while to figure out where else you could get production from. And eventually, like Houston figured it out. And that's because, you again, you have an elite quarterback where they were able to get Cooks to be that number one and get mm-hmm. some other guys to step up here and there. But, you know, there were teams that were limited, and, and you watch those adjustments. But it's a good thing to keep in mind 
as we see that in the future, Mitch, because there's times where you're going to want to bench somebody or you're going to have those options and you should be mindful of that. And Dan, I'm glad you brought up Houston because one of the big things we do every off season, whenever a team has two solid options at wide receiver, or even three, the conversation always happens. Well, who's a better value at their startup price? The only person, the only people that lost that one were people that said neither. Will Fuller, great season when he was out there. Brandon Cooks, great season. And he stayed healthy, which I think was a good sign of things to come. That was the bet on health that I lost there because all those concussions, I was so scared off Brandon Cooks. And boy, was he solid this year. So interesting one there. He might be one of the best values in startups right now. If he stays healthy, if. And and just avoid those concussions. All right, guys, anything else before we move on to our final thoughts to wrap up our first episode of 2021, episode 100? Any other wins, successful processes as we talked? Anything that popped into your heads? I think just we to, covered most of mine. I'll just give a side note just to end on something, JB, because I feel like you do this every episode, man. You're, you're looking for like that one last – you're like Steve Jobs there. Like one last – you know, new invention we're coming out with today, man. But I, I think just avoid recency bias. You know, whether it's in season and it's like a guy is injured and he's not producing and he's struggling, you give up on him too early. Or you kind of label him as being a bad player next year but not taking into equation what happened the year before. You know, uh, you know Brian Edwards, I, I listed just a few names. Like Brian Edwards, we're all high on. He didn't really have a great year, but if you watch the last game, like he flashed. Like, he showed, like, that Brian Edwards he could be. So he's not going to be a guy I'm going to give up on. Jerry Judy didn't quite do what the other receivers did. But that last game, again, took a drag across the middle for 92 yards. Like, he flashed. So I think you just don't give up on these guys. Dawson Knox, I, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, he was written off this year. And then just digging, mining for that information, I'm reading the head coach say, hey, he's been hurt. He's had every bad break possible. He had COVID. And all of a sudden, he's healthy, and Josh Allen's flinging it to him every game in the red zone, downfield. So don't have recency bias, man. Keep 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 an open mind when you're evaluating talent. Owen said, I just saw this comment in the chat, and I think this has to do with the quarterback and top-tier receiver. He says, what about Lamar and Hollywood? I can't say anything bad about Hollywood. So yeah, I'm not saying know. anything bad either, man. Great DFS plays. Tennessee's defense <laughs> is terrible. They're good. They're going to eat this weekend, but I digress. All right, Dan. So we're going to jump over to you here. Final thoughts. Final thoughts for our listeners. Starting off the new year, 2021 is going to be our best fantasy season yet. So what final thoughts do you have for our listeners? Man, this is a beautiful time of the year here. It's it's a combination of startup season, NFL playoffs. Someone say playoffs. I said playoffs. Big players make big plays in big games. I'm going to keep evaluating talent for the dynasty, for our dynasty season, see how these guys perform down the stretch here, separate the contenders from the pretenders here, and uh, especially in this wild card round. So uh, I'm all pumped for some postseason contest, boys. Let's go. And uh, just thank you for all our listeners, man, and our Patreons there. Uh, you know, you're the reason we're here at episode 100. Can't wait to keep it grinding. Mitch, before I ask for your final thought, yes. how many coaching mantras can Dan throw at people in one breath? Big time players make big time plays in big time games. Like all of them. The answer is all of them. And I love them. All right, Mitch, what do you have for our listeners? Final okay, thought. Mine's going to be, we didn't have a decent chance to talk about it, but if you're doing startups, startups are going right now. Superflex, you cannot fade quarterbacks once you get past even 12 team leagues once you get past about the fifth round 
there's no one left that you could have any future stability with. You're looking at Tom Brady, Ban, Locke, Darnold, Bridgewater, guys who you don't expect to even play in 2022. So I would 100% recommend to not fade quarterbacks for the next few months or so until we could actually see where these rookies go because like it's a wasteland after the first five picks, but first five rounds. Not only is it startup season, Mitch, I messaged you last night and I didn't realize things got going an hour later for you. The bachelor started the bachelor. It was great. (laughs) My wife watches it. And of course I'm sitting there and I'm like working on stuff. But I keep looking. I'm like asking questions, and then by the end, I'm more interested than she is. And what do you mean your wife watches it? I think if you rewind a hundred of our episodes, there were a lot of times <laughs> there, man, that this show revolved around the Bachelor. <laughs> it never revolved around the Bachelor. Uh-huh. Come on, come on. Anyway, we want to thank everybody for tuning in, not just tonight, but tolerating us, dealing with my terrible jokes and the bickering at times between. Mitch and myself, Dan and myself, Dan and Mitch, but we always appreciate the support from everybody. Again, 100 episodes in the books, hopefully a thousand more, but we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Like I said, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe, be kind to each other. Have a great night.